I'm going to have to cut James's hair. Oh, no. I know. It's really scary. We I should live to- stream it. Oh, oh, that's actually not a bad idea. That would be really funny. That's and then people can um, can tip and make oh. suggestions about <laughs> how to cut it. You missed you can, a spot. You can do a poll to just yeah. be like, Mohawk or cut a swoop into the side of his head. Or like, remember in, you know, remember the SOS where it's like the pointy S's, SOS, whatever that was. Or I was thinking one of those like dollar signs that you can draw when you're like in middle school, you put one of those into his head. I I think that's a great idea. I know. Let let me know. We can, we can put that up on the uh, viral stream. (laughs) Lindsay does a haircut. Yeah. Um, (laughs) God, that's terrible. Yeah, we've we've been watching um, YouTube videos on how to cut men's hair, which is just if, if that's not if if that's not an indicator of where we are in the quarantine. I'm like, surprised he hasn't done it himself already. So, just like shaved his head. He likes his hair too much now. Oh man! It wow. look. I mean, he he. I don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll go back. I really. I don't think he'll go back to the shaved head because now. He knows how handsome he is with his haircut. He's a handsome man. No, it's like, it's upsetting sometimes. But, uh, and I was actually, I was like teasing. I was like, you should dye your hair rose gold with me. And then I was like, no, don't do that. Your hair is too perfect. Don't change a thing. I know. Don't. It's like the most beautiful shade of auburn red. Like, And now he knows how handsome he is. Like, for a long time, he didn't. Now he knows. Now he's unstoppable. Pretty much. Pretty much. His ego is. Definitely. But, you know. But maybe once I cut his hair, <laughs> I can knock knock him down a little bit. Knock oh, that no. No, I'm just kidding. Just to build no. him back up. Right? I know it took so it took decades to get him to this point. Um, a decade. Wait, wow. This year is Jesus. This, this year, year is, has been a decade. It feels like it already. I was just thinking, like this year is we have been together for sixteen years. This year, your relationship can drive. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yep, no more learner's permit. <laughs> Speaking of that, I saw that um, the state of Georgia is apparently going to start issuing driver's licenses without doing the ride-along test. You know, it's like, <laughs> Georgia is just like, hey, fuck it, let's just make a bunch of bad decisions all at once. Yeah, it's like we in Florida are in a competition with Georgia. To see who can do, do like the most wild thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's States Gone Wild, South Edition. Yep. <laughs> hey, let's see what would happen if we give, you know, people that want to pass their driver, their first driver's ed test. Let's see what would happen if we have no one with them. Mm-hmm. And we'll open up all of our bowling alleys because they're sanitary. They're the most sanitary places we can think of. Yeah, because you stick your fingers in everything and you wear other people's shoes. Sounds like a great plan. Exactly. Perfect. Oh, God. Yep. 
I used to go to the bowling alley literally every single week when I was growing up, sometimes more than once a week. That's just like where I hung out. And now I think about how gross it is. That tracks. You hung out at a bowling alley? Oh, all the time. I was on a bowling team. Were there other young people there? I had my own bowling ball. Of course you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went all the time. What was your What was your bowling team nickname? I don't remember. Quinstoppable. <laughs> I remember the first year that I that I was on the bowling team. Though I got a uh, most improved trophy. Wow! And I didn't quite like look back on it until several years later as like wait is that that means i sucked <laughs> and that i got better it looked like <laughs> i got better but yeah I mean, like boy when you started it was rough i mean you know there's some rap songs that are sort of about that journey so started from yeah, the bottom it was the, it was the hero's journey that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I just had a thought of like the Disney Hercules movie where it's just like, you you know, you didn't know that you were a hero. You went from zero to hero. They're going to be making a live action version. I, I'm very excited about it. I, you know how I feel about Greek mythology. And so I, whenever I think about the Disney version, I have to remember that it's the Disney version of Hercules, which of course they have to like completely sanitize. Oh, yeah, they have to basically, yeah, make that whole story drink some Lysol. Oh, God. Yeah, it's... um. <laughs> and I think Netflix is making a show about Greek and Roman myths. And um, people on Twitter were like, oh, yep, Zeus about to get canceled. Oh, I mean, he's the OG. Like, oh, God. Yeah, uh, well, and so the comic that I that I read online which is lore olympus like the jim henson company picked it up and they're gonna make a um an animated version of it that's gonna be on netflix cool i'm which i'm very excited about yeah the greek gods were really horny uh yeah really horny and Uh, like vindictive vindictive didn't like women just super not like women yep loved war loved drama loved drama all of them. I guess that's why their stories were uh, interesting. God, their stories are so good. So weird. Like, like the story of Dionysus was, like, when he was born, Hera tricked Samil, which is his mother, into, like, wanting to see Zeus in his true form, which essentially incinerated her on the spot. So Zeus took the baby and sewed it into his thigh. Like, who comes up with that shit? Yeah, exactly. Who comes up with that shit? Oh, boy. Well, yeah, and and Athena was born from (laughs) the forehead. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? And the reason why she was born from Zeus's forehead is because he devoured her mother. (laughs) You know. You know, like you do. A normal thing. When you're in a loving relationship, you devour the other person, and then somehow... Yeah, they must have just been, like, really drunk all the time on wine. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sounds great. Yeah. 
Don't Honestly, even on that sounds that sounds better than. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, I think, hey, that's why I'm just, you know, hey, let's find all the different ways I can escape from this reality, whether it's drawing, writing, reading, uh, taking burlesque classes. Uh, I hope that when this is all over, people remember who they turned to when they couldn't do anything else. And it was artists, mm-hmm. writers, mm-hmm. performers. Yeah. Agreed. I totally uh, agree. Yeah. Yep. People, you know, and it's the artists who, who some say during good times are not essential, but they somehow become essential. It's like maybe they were essential the whole time. Whoa. Like maybe they were dead the whole time. Are you like, is this like a sixth sense parallel right now? Is that uh, what you're trying to say? Is that your point? Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure I follow. I mean, okay. if you're trying to say that like all artists are actually dead inside, I think there's probably some that could <laughs> agree with you. Probably. And they write about it on their dead journal. Oh. Uh. That's really, I was just teasing somebody about, it, I think that was, I was, te- I was teasing Lindsay. I was like, hey, since we're all reverting back to our middle school selves, you want to start writing on LiveJournal again? That shit. That's actually, LiveJournal is the reason why I learned a little bit of HTML. It's because I wanted my fucking. You can make it cool. You can make it cool. You can insert quiz. the lyrics. font. Yeah. You do that with MySpace too. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. Man. Anyway, you want to do this thing? Yep. Okay. I know you're already recording, but... Oh, yeah. So, all right. This is Viral. Hi, Lindsay. I'm Quinn. Hey, Quinn. Did I do that in the right order? Yeah. Nothing matters. You know what? Nothing... (laughs) I was just going to say the same thing. Does it really matter? Yes, it does, but it was fine. Yeah. (laughs) This is a podcast about public health plagues... And the people who work behind the scenes to keep us all safe and healthy, whether people are thankful for that or not. Uh, My name is Lindsay, Dr. Lindsay Grove. I am a public health practitioner, science communicator, and uh, just lover of public health. And a person who's trying not to be a nihilist. Mm -hmm. Who are you? I'm an ethereal force ghost. (laughs) and um yeah dog owner that's it cool what what do you have to what do you have to tell me from the world between worlds oh boy you don't want to know yeah it's a lot of a lot of hot goss oh yeah ethereal hot goss going on between you and all these ghosts i know so what's going on in in the the tangible world lately i mean it sounds like we did it we (laughs) we beat the the thing or Americans just got bored with it and yeah, decided what... that they're going to open up, open up the country and uh, we'll see what happens next. It's like, it feels like we're, we're in a walking dead scenario where we just have like one person who doesn't have great eyesight, like being the one to like look outside of the fortress and be like, I don't see any zombies. I think we're good guys. Let's open it back up. Yeah, and the United States has, 
at this moment of recording uh, on Sunday afternoon, we have 1,171,350 total cases, but a lot of those, I mean, we're probably underreporting that because of the severe testing shortage during, um, during the whole month of March. Uh, and we also have 68,000 deaths. Both of those numbers are about three times more, more than three times more than the second highest country in the world, Spain. And that's just like, I mean, it's, it's eye-opening, but also given our, you know, our terrible healthcare system and our, our, you know, rugged individualism, we will want to do everything our way, no matter what, and forget the collective the collective good we are suffering because of that who would have thought who would have thought yeah so things are bad and i mean some people are saying oh we're we're already there we flattened the curve and i personally haven't seen a lot of data to show that we have i mean it's going to take time uh given the like two week long incubation period for this this particular virus which we still don't know everything about yet and we simply need more data in order to say we have flattened the the rate of new cases because the the rate of new cases is still high it hasn't yeah. started coming down yet yeah and i i've been seeing you know again like a lot of people talking about that same thing like oh yeah no we flattened the curve we're good and i'm like what data are you looking at and also the data that we have like you said i mean that we are under testing and the thing is is that people are like oh well you know look i mean only 0.0023 of the population has has it and it's like well you're talking about cases, right? So you have case fatality rates and, and the number of cases that we have versus the overall population. And you're assuming that everybody that we've tested and who has tested positive are all the people that are actually infected, which is not true because we haven't tested everybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that is why it's really important that we have mass testing so that we have a better idea not only of how many people are actually infected, that would help us better understand the infection rate so we can have better and more accurate modeling, but it would also help us understand whether or not we have actually flattened the curve and when we can, I'm sorry, my cat, she's, have, did you hear her? She was making weird noises in the background. Uh, okay. Oh, oh boy. You are really mousy right now. Yeah. Look at you Even, stretching. Uh... You're stretching your little butt out like, so yeah, we still have a bunch of uh, states yeah. where new cases, the rate yep. of new cases is increasing still. Um, in Illinois, in, in South Carolina, which is you know close to Georgia, which is now mm -hmm. reopening. Uh, Nebraska, Texas. I mean, these are these are. It's not like there's hard borders between our states, so everything is fluid, and people are still. I mean, a lot less than than usual, but still traveling a little bit and you know thankfully in some states new cases are are starting to decrease like new york which still has about a third of the total cases in the united states new jersey massachusetts connecticut um 
and that's great because we we want to see that rate come down but the fact is it's not coming down for all states yet right and you know we we are talking about georgia um because they opened up a lot of things last week and florida which is opening things up this week our case rates are our case rates for new cases are still about leveling off which means mm-hmm. you're still getting like thousands of new cases every day mm-hmm. um and that's not going down yet so if we're going to be opening things up and we're still getting thousands of new cases a day with the lockdowns and social um, distancing requirements when we open things up what's going to happen um the goal obviously is to get to a point where quote unquote herd immunity takes over meaning that a significant percentage of the population has either been vaccinated which we don't have a vaccine for this yet or has been exposed to and survived the virus therefore has antibodies to it and can't get it again um but one thing we don't know about this virus is whether or not you can get it a second time and we we don't know yet yeah i mean and that's 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 one of the scary things is that people i think a lot of people are assuming like oh i i had it and i'm just gonna go back out into the world and i won't get infected again because i have immunity but but like you just said like we don't know. I mean, we don't know if it's something similar to where it's like if you had, you know, something like shingles where it just it can come back, it can be worse, like, you know, um, and so and the other thing, too, is like, you know, we have so many, again, so many asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic people that could infect other people like there there really is so little that we really know about the virus itself right now. So, Lindsay. Yeah. Is coronavirus the same thing as the flu? <laughs> it is not um, for and many I mean, reasons. We we have thousands of people every year dying of the flu, and we don't shut the country down. So why are we doing it for this? That's a really good question, Quinn. The reason why we're not doing it for this is that the flu is different for multiple reasons. The flu has a vaccine, first of all. So we see these deaths over the course of, first of all, a year, right? Whereas we're seeing the deaths for COVID over a matter of a couple of months. So far. So far. Exactly. So far. And that's with, again, a vaccine. So if we didn't have a vaccine, we actually, I mean, the, the, uh, it could be much, much worse, like to the point of maybe what we saw in 1918 with, um, the flu then. Um, so, so that's really scary. We don't have a vaccine for COVID-19. Um, and I know that, you know, recently the the Trump administration has, you know, pushed for fast tracking vaccines um, for COVID-19, which I mean, it's complicated. The reason why it takes a while to to uh, develop and, and manufacture vac- a vaccine is because it takes time to figure out the mechanisms of how, you know, of what type of vaccine and what type of components will work to, you know, increase uh immunity whether it's safe i mean i one of my fears i was actually just talking to james about this today was that you know my fear in fast tracking a vaccine is that you know i just i hope that they don't skirt sort of the safety procedures that they have i mean i'm sure they i hope that they won't 
But, you know, we already have a pretty healthy anti-vax movement. And I fear that if anything were to go wrong with a fast-track yeah, vaccine, it, it would, would make just, all other vaccines oh, look, look bad. Exactly. So, you know, that being said, a vaccine obviously could protect millions of people, which is important. Um, but, you know, science doesn't just happen overnight. You know, I, I sometimes I feel like there's this false idea that, like, somewhere in some sort of high-tech lab like we've cataloged like every disease that we know and like we know of like first of all we know of every disease that's out there we've cataloged it we know how each of them works you, like that's not how that works like because you know, these things mutate so rapidly right and the ones that we know about a year ago or two years ago have changed um, so much that they are almost unrecognizable to your body now. Right. And um, you you have to go through the process again. Yeah. So, yeah, and um, it, it's funny seeing people post or, you know, politicians or celebrities talk about the fact that, well, you know, we we lose this many people every year because of the flu. First of all, they probably just looked that up and they had no idea until now. Yep. And uh, secondly, they're probably not the ones who are who are getting their flu shot every year. Nope. <laughs> I'd better see all of these people get their flu shots if they suddenly care so much about about the flu and use that uh, as as an argument for why we right? should just stop caring about this and go about our everyday lives. And third, they've probably not been the ones who have lost family members because of influenza. So it's just like, well, this doesn't affect me. It's affecting some other, you know, some other person, air quotes. Right. Uh, and but, I, I think that the other piece that's sort of missing too is that a lot of people that end up passing away from the flu are folks that are immunocompromised. They're, you know, they're young. They're not able to get the vaccine. So, you know, these are the same people that are also extremely vulnerable to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and again, this is new because, right. because when they say, Oh, 50,000 people die every year because of the flu, it's like, yeah, that's, that is still a tragedy. And it, yes, that, implies you know that's in a world without coronavirus so we're talking about now an additional 50,000 people dying um of something new over a period of three months with a shutdown of services and, and but, almost everything but Quinn couldn't we just like why don't we just like reopen everything so that we can get to mass herd immunity, right? Like because that's going to kill a lot of people ah, but... who don't deserve to die because you need to get a haircut or whatever, or yell at a TGI Fridays employee because your fries came back weird. It's like people they want. They want to, quote, unquote, go back to work. But what they're really saying is they want others to go back to work to serve them. And no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's this, there was this picture I saw of, and it just, like, perfectly encapsulated that, that entire mentality. 
it was a picture of a woman getting her nails done and all you could see was her hand because it was from the back and it was a it was a white woman being given a manicure by in a Georgia, person of right? yep it was a a woman of color in in all i mean she was wearing all the ppe that i'm sure that she could yeah, find like all and scrubbed or, out yep all scrubbed out giving a manicure to a white woman and i was just like there it is yep that's uh yeah and I know, like, there's probably people out there that are like, yeah, but, you know, that woman was able to now bring home a paycheck so she could pay her bills. And it's like... And possibly bring home a virus to kill her her parents or her children or her spouse or... Right. Or, and my next question would be, okay, cool, but is that job offering her benefits in case she gets infected and she has to go to the hospital and use insurance? Like... You know, did they threaten her to say, like, if you don't come back and work now that the state is open, like, you won't have a job and we'll fire you? Like, you know, there's there's a lot of layers here to unpack and a lot of, you know, things that I think a lot of people just don't think about, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of businesses probably also feel pressure to open because now that they have the ability to open, they may have, you know... Um, insurance that says like, well, hey, you can reopen. There's no reason you can file this claim. Exactly. Or you now are not eligible for a grant to help pay your staff or pay your bills, um, pay your mortgages or whatever for buildings you're leasing. And now, okay, well, because we are quote unquote allowed to open, we are really forced to. Mm. And that means that if, like, for instance, Florida is being told to open up um, at a 25% capacity. Well, if you're at a 25% capacity, but you have, like, say you're a restaurant and your restaurant can seat 50 people. Well, 25% capacity, you're talking, you know, 12 people in your restaurant. And you are going to have to reduce the number of servers. You're going to have to let people go. In your inventory, you're, you're not going to be able to stock as much fresh fresh food because some of it's going to go bad. Um, so you have to change your menu, probably increase prices, and um, you're still probably going to operate under a loss for a while because mm-hmm. uh, that... Just that capacity is not going to get it done. Most businesses, especially mom and pop businesses, they they require at least like a 50, 75 percent or 100 percent capacity to to turn a profit or just make ends meet. And so what it's doing is basically pushing the onus onto the small businesses rather than the state taking responsibility to um to help them out and it's gonna just a lot of these businesses are gonna close in the next month or two it's gonna be like a huge culling which means their their spaces are gonna get gobbled up by more big franchises we're just gonna see i mean (laughs) it's just gonna be all big multinational corporations controlling everything um and that's that's just going to be the way of life because the small businesses were choked um, yeah. because of the virus, but also because of our government's response to it. Yeah. And, and the systems that were already in place to make it harder for them anyway. 
right? And, like, and if you're a server, you are making $2.15 an hour. Oh, I know. Um, so that means you're relying on tips. Now, if your house is only 25% um, capacity, that means you're going to have to serve as many tables as possible during your shift, which means you're going to be trying to flip them as quickly as possible. And the quality of service is going to go down, which means if your quality of service goes down, you're going to get less in a tip because you're sitting there going, boy, this this server really wants us out of here. So it's really so just like this cycle of no one being happy, no one getting what they want. Are you saying, that, everyone the tip, are you saying that the tip system is not a good system, that it's inequitable, Quinn? I mean, saying? the tip system should be abolished. Yeah. Even before this. Yeah. This whole no, I agree. You know, I agree with you. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Quinn, can we talk a little bit about, um, you know, how the virus is impacting different communities more severely than others? Yeah. Um, I mean, what are you talking about? Uh, every, uh, the virus doesn't discriminate. You know what's funny is that you're right. The virus, and I mean, basic biology does not discriminate. But you know what does discriminate? Um, institutions and systems that are created by humans, they discriminate. And what we're seeing is, as I'm sure many of you are um, familiar with, is are, are the social determinants of health, right? So you have things like housing, employment, access to health care, education, income, all of these things that aren't directly related to health, but have an impact on a person's quality of life and, and health potential, right? So what we're seeing here, especially with COVID-19 is, you know, even we talk specifically about access to care, you know, folks that have for decades not had good access to care or they've been discriminated against in the in the hospital system or by primary care providers not being taken seriously for illnesses that they've had in the past or We're just seeing... that they live next to a chemical plant right right or they, live they in tend to be housing. Um, yeah um they don't have jobs that provide them benefits so that they can get regular checkups uh they, um, you know, there, there's so many different things. Um, we're seeing that play out with COVID-19, and that's why we're seeing increased fate, uh, case fatalities among communities of color, which is devastating. And what I think is the, what what is so, I think, heinous about disparities in health like this is that it's preventable. It has nothing to do with you know, race is not biological, right? It's a social construct. So it's not like there's anything, there's nothing that the, I mean, the virus is the virus, right? It's it's RNA that works on a specific type of cell and it doesn't matter <laughs> whose cell that is, It the virus is gonna virus, you know? But unfortunately, you know, because of where you were born, what color your skin is, um, you know, those things may determine how severely that this virus and many other um, health conditions impact you. So it's it's just really devastating. It's, you know, and again, you know, we see just such a 
I don't know, like just so, so many tone deaf and just completely, you know, unsympathetic responses to this from national and state leadership. You know, I, I, I'm always like just so awestruck when I hear politicians say like, we don't understand why this is happening. Why is it impacting communities of color, you know, more severely than than, you know, white folks and they couldn't have done anything to stop it. We I thought we, we were doing have... everything we could. You know, we elected Obama. There is no such thing as racism. Like I'm just I don't understand. They must have really deserved it. Oh. So, it's just so you get tired of hearing that. You know, and I think this has exacerbated it to a point where it's like, hey, look at this, like yet another example of how communities of color are getting the shaft on, you know, an adequate and like equitable response that would actually help them. So it's just, it's upsetting. I mean, they're seeing, you know, incredibly high fatalities in Chicago um you know and again like if we if we don't have good mass testing if we don't have contact tracing like i hate to say it but if we if we had a better picture the picture would probably be much uglier too like that's the sad part so yeah do you have any thoughts Gwen? i i i have no more thoughts <laughs> i have just sads i just have sads that's that's under that is understandable but you know what there are countries that are doing it better like i'm i'm like a fangirl of new zealand new zealand yeah she's amazing what are some things that they've done better like tang like i i haven't followed their their story as closely just a sec let me bring it up i mean i i feel like they did a lot of mass testing and very and like early on um, and they also had real, I believe, let me just double check that. I'm pretty sure they had really strict, um, stay at home orders too. New Zealand. And also they created, uh, what we do in the shadows and Taika Watiti. So I just feel like they had good karma, you know, from the beginning. I have started season two. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Oh my God. It's so good. I was so, so, uh, so happy to see Haley Joel Osmond getting some work. <laughs> So they, so in New Zealand, um, they enacted um, really strict stay-at-home orders, like very early on. And they uh, probably followed them. The, yeah. And didn't I didn't mean, say it was government tyranny. Yeah. I mean, I think too, you, I mean, the other thing too is like New Zealand is an island. New Zealand has a small population. Um, but... They, but the thing is, like, they recognize that those are strengths and they use them to their advantage. Like, so good for them. Like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, they said that their goal is elimination. They, this was April 27th. So this was a couple days ago. Um, basically, for the last five weeks, they've been living and working in ways that um, would have been impossible. So they've, I mean, people have been not going anywhere yeah um let's see 
So, wow. So on February 28th is when they had their first confirmed case, which is well over a month after the U.S. had its first um, confirmed infection. And on March 14th, um, when the country just had just six cases, the prime minister announced that anyone entering the country would need to self-isolate for two weeks, which is which was at that time the longest was among the toughest border restrictions in the world. Um, foreign nationals were banned from entering the country on March 20th. On March 23rd, there were when there were 102 confirmed cases and no deaths, she announced that they were entering a level three lockdown. Non-essential businesses were closed, events and gatherings canceled, and schools closed to all children except those of essential workers. Look at that. Wow. Yeah. Um, employers were told to allow working from home where possible. Public transport was reserved for essential workers and discretionary domestic air travel between regions was banned. Wow. Yep. And then at midnight on March, so this is very quick. Like they, I think that was the piece, right? Is that they did this very in quick succession because then on March 25th, so five days later, New Zealand moved to the strictest level four lockdown with people told not to leave home except for essentials exercise near the home while maintaining a two meter distance. Um, they also did widespread testing with, um, over 120,000 cases carried out to date among a population of just under 5 million. And then um, they had one of the highest testing rates per capita in the world where they, with the capacity to process up to 8,000 tests a day. So wow. on April 9th, despite a decline in cases, the prime minister tightened border restrictions so that all citizens and permanent residents arriving in New Zealand were, were required to spend two weeks quarantined in an approved facility rather than at home. So they acted on it quickly. They did mass testing and they restricted travel in it, inside the country and to the country from outside of the country. And um, they, everybody had to abide by a federal government lockdown. Yeah, and I, I look at that and I go, yeah, we should have done that here. But then <laughs> we, I really don't think it could have been done here because of our leadership and this this idea of American exceptionalism and uh -huh. American individual autonomy, um, which, you know, I love my freedoms as much as the next man or woman or person, but... Mm, I also like being alive and yeah. we I, do have a responsibility to our fellow human to try and keep ourselves and them healthy and safe so that we can pursue our freedoms. But I don't think there's an actual argument to be made to say like, well, you can't stop me from doing this and that it, because all of our health depends on one another and we're only as healthy as the sickest person right because they can they can spread whatever they have um to anyone else yeah we're not the we're not we are not the you know individual states of whatever we can do whatever the hell we want and you know like complain about paying taxes you know of america we're like we're the united states of america at some point we have to you know recognize that in order to say that you are an American citizen means that you also have to be united 
and consider the fact that you are a part of a society. You are a part of a country. You are a citizen of that country. And we all, and in, in being a part of that, you are, you have a social responsibility to other citizens, right? Yep. Like you don't get all the privileges of being an American without also having a responsibility to your fellow citizen. Like that's just not, that's not how government or thing a democracy works. That's not how being human works. We as humans are social animals and we've lived in communities for millennia. So, and you see that picture of the guy wearing a, uh, an American flag t-shirt and waving around a Confederate battle flag. It's yeah, just like, that makes no hey, sense. Um, so which side do you stand on? Because and they're not the same side. Also <laughs> in, in Michigan, people in Michigan. waving Confederate flags in a Northern state that was a part of the underground railroad. I'm like, I don't, I just don't understand. But, you know, to your point, um, I just, you know, people that have this idea that like, oh, well, American individualism. And actually, like I was listening to um, our last county commission meeting where the sheriff was speaking and he was saying something like, well, I trust that people will make good decisions and and we're, you know, people are smart enough to continue to social distance and keep themselves safe. I and, don't. And ex- my, my, I've, in the, the first few thing, times I've left the house to go to the grocery store, my like once every 10 day trip to the grocery, I see people going the wrong way down the yep, aisles because yep, they've yep, instituted yep. one way like arrows so that you go, yep. you don't backtrack. There have been people going the wrong way, people not wearing masks, people, you know, coming like right behind me to reach around me to grab something. And I'm like, what? Get out of my space. Wait until I'm gone and then grab your can of beans exactly. or whatever. I mean, but people yeah. just can't can't handle being told what to do. Which is crazy because we tell the rest of the world what to do. Ooh. Yeah, I said it. You're spitting fire today. I am. I'm just like really angry. Tea and spitting fire. I got I got tea, tea but no. Yeah, and no cream and sugar from this gal. It's just straight tea. And it is hot. It is spicy. And it got that tannins in it. It, I haven't taken that tea bag out because it's got tannins in it. I want it strong. Anyway, I, yeah, the concept of American exceptionalism and that somehow Americans are going to do this better because we're smarter and we're better, that is not panning out. The data does not show that. In fact, as soon as Georgia reopened, they had a thousand cases in 24 hours. And that's not to say those are, of course, cases like, of course, they're not going to come straight they could from. Have possibly been exposed before the of state course. opened up. Like, there's a lot of, but you just wait. You just wait a couple of weeks and see where those numbers are. Oh, people getting people. Be I. Here's the thing: if we really felt that people are responsible, that they're smart, that they would keep themselves safe, then why do we have seatbelts? Why do we have? Laws and regulations for highways. Tyranny. <laughs> why are, Why do we have these tangible and intangible guardrails set up for people 
if we if the assumption is oh well everybody's going to do the safe th safe logical reasonable thing and you know try and keep each other safe um i'm sorry have you all ever heard of osha i mean we have an entire department dedicated to making sure that like not only our organizations and companies check to make sure that they're keeping their workers safe but that also we have all of these regulations that you know keep workers safe in general and that they know what they're doing like I, i'm just like you realize that people that work in public health are like you're kidding right mm -hmm. we still have stds <laughs> we still have hiv like that kind of assumption makes no sense in the reality that we live in <laughs> that's just crazy because come monday when the beaches mm -hmm. reopen you know it's going to be a second spring break for people that live in the area. Oh, yeah. I'm not going anywhere near the beach. No, me neither. Hell no. Uh, so, and, yeah. what kind of things have you been doing and taking in that make you happy? Has there been happiness? <laughs> you know what? There, like, I was actually talking to my husband about this today, and I was like, you know, we were sitting here, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, what are the things that, what are the good things that you think are going to come out of, you know, out of this big change? Like, what are the, actually, the question was like, what do you, what do you not want to go back to normal? Was the question. And, you know, he had said, he's like, I am, I'm, he's like, I just really like not commuting, even though his commute is very short. But he's like, I think it's just been really good to be at home. And I feel like I am more relaxed when I work. He's like, I also really think it's been great, even though, like, I'm really nervous about the amount of people that I see in the parks. But it is kind of cool to see people rediscovering their communities and open spaces and nature and and having time to just do that. You know, every it seems like before this, everybody was in a rush. People weren't making time for themselves or their families. People are cooking more and having dinner together more often, yeah, you know, so there's, stuff. it's all good stuff. I mean, of course, a lot of that there's, there's privilege in, in you know, woven into that. Right. But, right. um, you know, so I don't know, we've been in, I, I, you know, I, I dyed my hair rose gold. Cause I was like, Hey, you, you know what? Cause, cause I just went for it. Um, I, what else have I been doing? We've been getting out more. We we went for a 20-mile bike ride yesterday. Nice. Um, we've been cleaning up the house. I've been reading a lot more. Um, we were like, you know, James has been doing some fun coding projects, like, on the side. Like, I don't know. It's just been, while there's always existential dread, I feel like no matter what day it is, um, I am just thank I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that we both can work from home. I'm thankful that we still have the ability to do this podcast. I'm thankful for all of the healthcare workers and public health people I know. Um yeah. What yeah. about you, Quinn? That's that was so poignant and now I'm about to say something really dumb. No, please. It's just, not going to be dumb. I've been I've been playing a lot of video games. Oh, James has been we we actually tried to play a game together because I don't play video games as much as he does. And the name of the game is really funny. It's a dangerous space time for lovers. Oh, I like that. It's really weird. But what yeah, video I've, games are you playing? I've, just been, I've been playing Skyrim. 
like when I get the baby down for a nap or uh, when I put her to bed at night, I'll just like hop on there and play a couple hours, try to level up my my character. Got to get those smithing skills up so I can make some cool Daedric armor. But uh, (laughs) I know. I love it. No, it's it's and then uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been like trying to sleep but not really sleeping that great and trying to keep the small human alive without um just doing the same exact things over and over and over again and i don't know how people with toddlers or like elementary school age kids are doing this i because at least a baby is fairly amused with whatever you put in front of them Mm -hmm. and like she's not getting bored by stuff because I just mm-hmm. like change out some toys and put her facing a different direction and she's like super chill about it. But like kids who do one thing and then five minutes later get bored and want to do another thing, I would just like lose my mind. Yeah, I a lot of my friends have children at home right now and I if they're if they're listening, I love you. Stay strong. Um I do appreciate the really funny Facebook posts. Um, I enjoy reading those. I have a couple of friends that I've like, God, they're so funny on Facebook, especially about their kids. But damn, I can't imagine trying to work and be a teacher and a a parent for my child all at the same time. Mad props to parents right now. Oh, my gosh. I of know. toddlers and, and young children. Yeah. Actually, of all you know, all ages. I you know, even if you have a teenager, I mean, like I can't imagine having a teenager is any easier because I'm sure they're like wanting to get out too and you see know, their friends. And yeah. Do, yeah, especially like, oh man, all the kids that are not going to have an in person graduation because of this. Yeah, but we have to remember why we're yes. doing this. Exactly, and that is exactly. to literally save lives. Yep, agree. So, hopefully. Um, hopefully by the next time we check in when the state has been opened up and we'll see a little bit of how that's going. (sighs) Yeah. I hope future me can, can handle it. Yeah, me too. I, um, again, I, I'm just like, I'm not, I am, I am essentially in the mindset that Lindsay and Lindsay has not opened up. She's not going out. Uh, Florida can open up, but Lindsay's not participating because I don't have enough information and or uh, faith in this in humanity and the system to make to feel safe enough to, you know, uh, I don't know, go to Home Depot and try and navigate that mess as much as I want to. Yeah, I just. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm just going to I got I got a whole set of markers so i'm gonna like color in some of the stuff i've been drawing and um i think i i well i mentioned before i'm i'm taking online burlesque classes and so now i get to draw my outfits and we've been working on my acts so that you know i i'm just that's that's where i'm at i'm like if i wait to host our first viral burlesque show i have so many weird ideas Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, is that, is that, you just, okay. That's me what? swirling my tassels that's, around. Yeah, 
I'll let the um, audience try to decide where the tassel was. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to edit that out, right? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. uh, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, let's wrap and it up. And remind all of our listeners where they can find our information. Um, we're on www.viral-pod.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we don't have an Instagram. We should uh, get an Instagram, post some <gasps> some cool pics. Yeah, that's actually a really dank good memes. idea. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, let's let's start an Insta. I hope okay. people will follow it. Maybe we'll have like I'd be cool with just five followers. I mean, that's fine. Outside right. of just people we know and we could probably get five. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Thanks to the uh, song <laughs> "Take Your Medicine" by the Easy <laughs> Boys. Um, and I, 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 I know I can tell. Uh, <laughs> I would also just really encourage our listeners to rate us on whatever podcast catcher you are using. Uh, when you, especially if you're using Apple Podcasts, it really helps people find us when you review us. And we actually do read the comments. I just went on Apple Podcasts the other day, and oh I kind of—they're so good. I cried a little bit because they were so incredibly thoughtful. So oh, I really appreciate. Well, we should read them next time. Yeah, we should. They're very sweet. Um, obviously, we're on we're on Facebook as well. Um, feel free to comment. Um, you can also contact us through our website if you have any suggestions for topics. Um, and what what do we what do we want to tell folks, Quinn? Like what what's our what's our closing call to action? Please, for the love of God, wash your grubby mitts. Yeah. I remember 20 seconds. You're dirty grabbers. Yeah. They're just they're just gross. We've All always right. said that. All right. Thank you. Bye. Oh, it got a little weird there. It did get a little weird. That's going to be a fun one to edit. Uh